Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, beautiful people. Yes, that's right. I'm recording this on Monday, October 11th. Did you know that it takes just a few minutes to get on any search engine and research other people and learn about your world? Guess what? I just did it. And I used that really evil one, the one called Google. Yeah, I spent about five minutes and I Googled Indigenous Peoples Day and it led me to a Wikipedia page. That's pretty evil too, by the way. And I learned that Brazil has been celebrating a similar holiday in the month of April for years. Finally, we're catching up with the rest of the world and celebrating people. Learn about other people. Be a good person. Be a good person. All right, let's do the show. is going on podcast nerds welcome to clockwork nights episode four my name is clark wayne welcome to the show how are you doing it is monday night it is the tail end of indigenous people's day and that ad was no joke i literally took a few minutes to google indigenous people's day i'm very excited to learn about the world around me and would encourage you to do the same you know it takes so little time to research something. I think so many times, like many of us, I get busy and I think of like, oh, maybe I could research the food that I'm making, where it came from and who started it and blah, blah, blah. And and, and every once in a while, I will wander down the Netflix hole. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're just searching and nothing just sounds good right away and you just get into that loop of just searching to be searching. That's pretty exhausting. And then you run across the food thing. And you're like, oh, tacos. This show's about tacos. Or, oh, this one's about salt and fire. I'm going to research that. Well, usually there's a person or a culture or a society behind the food. And it would be a terrible idea to completely remove the person from that thing that they have gifted the rest of the world with, right? Like get to know the world around you, whether it's through Netflix, YouTube, whatever. You're curious about tacos? Hey, now you're curious about tacos. You're curious about tacos, aren't you? I know you are, but they they have the soft. Do you like the corn shell or the flour shell? Do you like them soft or buttery? Do you like them a little fried on the skillet? Mmm. Mm, tacos. Yeah. And then I like, I have found in the last few years that I really like just taking a little wedge of lime just at the end of my, my little taco topping, uh, ceremony, you know, I've got the, the good base of beans cause I'm a vegetarian. And then I will slice some onion and make some veggie fajitas with onions, peppers, garlic, you know, do some 
oregano, salt, pepper in the in the fajitas, and then top those on top of the beans, and then on top of that, you get a little avocado slice, maybe a slice of tomato, and then maybe a little bit more beans, depending if you're doing a street size or a big size taco, and then on top of that, put some cilantro. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about fresh cut cilantro. Don't don't do the dry stuff. Don't don't cheapen it. Right, get the fresh ingredients. Don't do the powdered garlic. Like Anthony Bourdain said, that stuff is an abomination to garlic. It's an abomination of food. It's an abomination to putting things into our mouth to enjoy things. Don't do it. And then at the end, you just take a little bit of 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 lime and just squeeze it. And you just just whoosh, across. You know, you got three tacos on your plate. I'm envisioning three tacos because I mean, if they're street size, I need like three or four. Even like regular size tacos, like. The, this, what are we going to like six, eight inch tacos? Yeah, I'm still going to put like two, three. Do you do cheese? I've been laying off the cheese. I, I, I think that I get enough, you know, fats and other things through bread. I, I, I don't really want to clog the arteries. I was watching the Carmichael show and it was like, what, three or four episodes in? So kind of like Clockwork Nights, just a few episodes in and they start dealing with like health issues and comedy around health and Stressed me out for a minute there, but then it also made me think like, yeah, I, I, I could, you know, there's the low fat version of the oat milk. Oh, that's a thing. So the regular oat milk is fatty or heavier, heavier. It's thicker. It's maybe going to clog something quicker than the low fat oat milk. That's where we are now. That's where we are. Okay, all right, well, we'll try it. And I did it, you know, I did it tonight. I made in the crock pot gifted to me by Mr. Cordell and his wife, Megan. Uh, I, I I did this soup, black beans and sweet potatoes. I had the peppers, bell peppers, onions, I put in the whole garlic in there. That way I could smash it in later. And coconut milk, oh man, it's so good. And then just had to make the cornbread. And of course, in the cornbread, I'm now using oat milk. Did the low-fat oat milk by Oatly. It was great. It didn't taste really any different. And I grew up with cornbread. That was a staple in our Midwestern home. Wow, okay, I'm talking about food. Am I hungry? I just ate a bunch of food. Are you hungry? I think I need a snack after this. Point is, get to know the person behind the food. That stuff's hard work, and behind every good dish is a human with a story worth learning. I guarantee it. All right, so Maria Teresa, also known as my friend Meg, is on the show today, and I am so excited for everyone to get to know Maria, and I'm not going to do the thing. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Meg. I know you as Meg. I'm not doing the flex. I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to say Maria. Is that okay? Is that okay? You let me know. You you shoot me a DM and let me know if, if Maria Teresa. See, I, I don't feel like it's natural, and I'm not. I don't want to force it. I don't want to be impolite here. Maria's dogs also make guest appearances in the background. Henny and Cardi, cute pups. I should have introduced them to the show. I should have said hi to them, but they wouldn't have known. We did this over Zoom. Talk about Maria's journey to Atlanta during the pandemic and how. Maria ended up in the South. I originally met Maria here in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, we've kept touch. We've got mutual friends. And oh, yeah. And before I forget, Maria is celebrating a birthday this week. So happy that I got to spend the latter part of this round for you, this trip around that sun, 
Good job. You did it. I can't wait to see what this next year will bring for you. I hope you come back on the show. We talked about it. And everyone, believe me, you're going to want Maria back on the podcast because Maria is a good time and has so much to bring to the table. I can't wait to do it again. There you go. Nothing else needs to be said. So guess what? We're just going to get right to it. I really don't have a lot to talk about this week, and I think that this conversation is going to be fulfilling enough. I apologize for any glitches or glips or <laughs> during the Zoom call, but just grateful to have things like Zoom, to be able to call up friends, see their faces, and have these conversations and, and reconnect and whatnot. So yeah, it's a good time. Let me know what you think. All right. I am so proud to introduce my next guest, a beautiful and talented person who, man, every time I'm around them, I learn to laugh more. I learn to think deeper. I feel like I'm filled with love when I walk away. My good friend, Maria Teresa, a.k.a. Meg. Hello. I love that oh. background. Oh, no, no. We're going to turn that off. That's for work. <laughs> yeah, I'm, there we go. Oh, that's beautiful. Background. That's way better. Hi, oh, Clark. How are you Hi. doing? Hi. Hello. Oh, my God. I'm good, dude. How are you doing? Um, surviving. <laughs> okay, dang. We Religion? haven't chatted in so long. <laughs> like a year, I think, because yeah. your birthday's coming up in less yeah, than yeah, 10 days. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Did my research. <laughs> oh, um, Clark. I'm glad you're alive and we're talking and we're, we're having a conversation and you're here. Like, Yeah, thank you. You know what I mean? Likewise. Yeah. You know, and... <laughs> Not, not to say something terrible has happened to you. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but how are you doing? It is. It's good to see you. Like, it's good to see you. Yeah, so good. Your oh. place looks great. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, right here, this is new. Um, I'd like to think that I have potential to paint, but I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, oh, I went to Hobby Lobby and went crazy. Yeah, I mean, I lost all control. Uh, like my poor bank account was like, "What are you doing? We have an electric bill," and I was like, "Ah, <laughs> acrylics, canvas, brushes." Yeah. And so and so, like this. Wait, oh. you did that? Yeah, but I don't know what I'm doing. That's beautiful, though. <laughs> Clark, well, don't gas me up. No, no, no. Don't seriously, like we're gonna have to take a <laughs> screenshot, and then later we'll do the video promo. Like everyone has to see that. And I'm, <laughs> That's cool. It was my, it was, you know how they do, um, sip and paint or whatever. Yeah. I did that by myself in my house. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like you know what? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get this glass of wine. I'm going to get these, I'm going to get these tools together. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to just paint what comes to me. 
Nice. And I, I, I like geometric shit. And so I was looking at my like bed sheets and my, and my rug. And I was like, you know what? This is what's coming to me. I'm going to do it. And, and then I like tried to like match different color palettes and whatnot. Uh-huh. So this Did you is where set we're up at. Like your environment to like be in the moment or were you just like, oh, yeah. just winging it? Oh, and yeah. Just like, this is being a kid about it. I, I mean, I took over the kitchen like 100% because I don't have an easel. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that bougie. Right. So I just, I just set the canvas over the kitchen table, and it's low enough for me to be able to like get on there and and, mm-hmm. and get dirty and get you know get my hands all in it, and it was fun. I did feel like a kid again. Yeah. And was yeah. this the first? I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time I've touched paint, and maybe over five years like wow. not painting walls you know what i mean i painted my <laughs> friend's walls right <laughs> painted my walls but like an artistic approach to expression i haven't engaged in that in years why not it, it, i don't know it feels intimidating like there's yeah. like there's something uh some kind of expertise required when in all reality i just want to indulge in a really cathartic Hmm. almost therapeutic way of processing what you feel. Cause I, I mean, I don't know if you experienced this, but I don't always have words for what I'm trying to express. <laughs> All okay. <the> time. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank Listen, you. Listen, <laughs> I space out. Like you would think that I'm a space cadet, like just because I'm just like, uh, uh, the word. And after yeah. like the last week, it's even been worse. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that. And I, I feel like, I don't know, you know, being bilingual, I oftentimes will think in one language while expressing in another. Mm. And it, I just get my wires crossed. So I, I don't always have the words. Yeah. But sometimes just being able to like throw paint around, you you feel that same sense of expression without needing to linguistically encapsulate your experience. It, yeah. it just feels it just feels good. Yeah. Like there's no definition to it. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Because I mean, language can be quite reductive uh, mm. and prescriptive. So if if we're really trying to like liberate ourselves of categorization or like really rigid forms of understanding, art is one of the ways that we can really just break free of these kinds of metaphorical chains. Yeah. I'll tell a quick story. Yeah, I got, I got pissed off one time because a guy told me he's like, you know, the sky's not really blue. That's just what we call it. And I legit just sat there and I was just like, you know, okay. late twenties, and all these guys around me are trying to be like hyper <laughs> philosophical or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. this was at a party too, and I was just trying to have fun. And I was just like, dude. <laughs> Just fucking drink your beer. Like, stop <laughs> trying to get all deep at a party on a Friday night. Like, yeah. So, it's like, um, what are we doing? <laughs> but now, like, what? Fast forward seven years later, I'm just like, oh, right. like, as I'm learning Spanish, like, isn't blue azul? Yeah. Okay. Like, thinking yeah. about like <laughs> learning things um, in yeah. German, it's blau and like trying to associate oh, the colors with blau. certain blau. Yeah. Oh, blau. <laughs> It's got a power to it. I like that. Azul is like really soft. Yeah. But it's like, wow. Yeah. And I associate Azul <laughs> with like blue tequila as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. 
Yes, it's so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a thousand times, yes. Yeah. But like thinking about his comment, now I'm like, as I'm softening with my age, like, like oh, not that shit, I'm he was trying right. To, yeah. Like <laughs> I didn't want to hear it then because I was there at a party and it seemed like, it, I don't know if like you've r- ran into those people at parties yes, who are just yes. like trying to have that kitchen conversation when everyone else is in the living room, like doing the right thing, Dancing. just getting yeah. loose. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, dude, not right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> chill. I'm on my like fifth beer, two shots in. We don't need to have an existential conversation about how nothing's real and colors are made up. I know that, but do I want to admit that right now? No. Not I'm really. partying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bye. Like, talk to me in 10 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe I should See get then. in contact with him now. <laughs> yeah, you'd be ready to have that conversation now, but not then. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Maybe I'm just comfortable having it with myself and then, you know, with whoever I'm comfortable with. Like, true, but maybe not that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever he is. Yeah. So, your painting's hanging up in your your place. How long have you been in in this spot? Where are you? April, dude, Atlanta. (laughs) Can you believe that I'm back in the South? I thought I was leaving. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Bye, Nashville. You know, Go into my next job, miss y'all, like see see you soon when I visit. Mm-hmm. And then two years being in San Francisco plus a pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> really will change some things, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to put it lightly. And I mean, we've all been so profoundly impacted by the pandemic. And we've all been stretched in ways that we could have never foreseen. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I don't think any one of us was like, yeah, it's like our time for a bubonic plague situation. Like <laughs> let's all get ready to let's like gear up. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. I was, I was ready, you know, it just, Oh, you, you, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> yeah. No. It's like you're like apocalyptic kit ready. Oh gosh. Man. Yeah. I've met those people, but no, the, I'm, I, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I was caught off guard. <laughs> I remember it being January and being like, oh, oh, but it's all the way in China. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Nah, it won't get here. Right. right. Months later, I'm out of a job. Hmm. Months later, I'm laid off. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, how do I apply for government assistance? Mm. I mean, it was such a radical change in quality of life, in everything that you knew about yourself. Yeah. All of that was was um up for consideration to say the sure. least. And so months later, nine months to be specific, <laughs> um, an ex-colleague of mine referred me at the company that I'm at now and 11 interviews in two months after the fact, I got the job that I have now and I've been employed ever since. Nice. <laughs> and they relocated me to Atlanta. So now I'm back in the South and it's, you know, full circle. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. I hope it overall was a good Thanks. thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I think we might all go through this, but it's definitely when when you think about time and you describe time, it's very much 
pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Not that we're done with the pandemic, but as sure. a differentiator, right? As a delineator of time, who I was pre-pandemic had no idea about who she was going to become post-pandemic, mm. right? There was so much um, kind of evolutionary instincts that surfaced that I didn't know I had. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many survival instincts that kick in when you are looking at your last dollars. Um, and it, it, it changes the way you value the things you have in your life. And I was already a minimalist, but now I'm even... <laughs> yeah. I'm even more minimalist. It's like, how? Marie Kondo would be like, look at her. She's got nothing. <laughs> yep. You're right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. And yeah, but so we're here now. Yeah. And what's a minimalist? Like, is this something that has been born in the last 20 years or is it older than that? Mm. Like, I, you were one of the first. Let's say you were within the first five people that I'd heard talk mm. about it in the last ten years, and yeah. there there maybe one or two other people before you, and yeah. I just remember being like, okay, like what is this? What does this mean? And yeah. you were probably the one person I was able to track the most with, and like be like, oh, mm. like she's getting rid of some things, and there's some purpose with the the changes yeah. that you know you're you're making, so. Sorry, and also I, I don't mean to fuck up your pronouns. If if like I didn't, she they. Okay, cool. Like you got wanna... it. Yeah, I very much am uh, most comfortable like vacillating between the two. Okay, he does not really work for me, but she they. Okay, okay, cool. You're so yeah, sweet. totally. Yeah. So, like, how did you get into to that? Like, what does it even mean? <laughs> What is minimalism? Like the what color is the sky actually? <laughs> right? Like what does any of this mean? And to be to like to answer your question and to be clear, it did exist before Marie Kondo commercialized on Netflix or like got her series out, right? Mm. It's absolutely um in my experience very much related to and founded in Buddhist tenets of impermanence. Hmm. And change being the only constant, right? And um, Buddhism posits that the root of suffering comes from attachment. And so, right, right, yeah. And so, I know, it's like, that's definitely not something you want to talk about at a party five beers in and two shots later. You do not bring that up at the party. Don't do it. I've done it. It's a problem. So, So, you you come to a point in your like spatial relationship with the world where you realize that your dependency on things, people, experiences set you up with unrealistic expectations, thus leading you to more frequently be disappointed, upset, frustrated, hurt, and experiencing pain. So growing up first gen growing up with immigrant parents Mm. and them leaving everything behind in Ecuador where my entire family's from um, and then coming here to the States with nothing 
once we finally had financial stability, oh my gosh, the hoarding was on another level, <laughs> you know, and, and, and bendita sea, I, you know, I love my mother. Margarita is one of my heroes, but <laughs> that woman, she had, she never had anything in her life. Mm. And so the minute she had anything, she was like, I need double. Mm. I need triplicate. I need multiple because I don't know when I'll ever have it again. Hmm. So poverty mentality results then in the Costco effect, which is like buying in bulk, <laughs> owning in bulk and yeah. living on edge because you never know when you'll lose everything that you have. Wow. That put me as a kid growing up in a lot of environments where there was just consistent stress and tension. Mm. And thinking that we were just like always about to, you know, confront chaos and endure strife. And it never allowed for moments of gratitude for what you have and like taking inventory of what you have and saying, oh, what I have is enough. Mm. I'm happy with this or I'm fulfilled or I'm satisfied. Like the concept of fulfillment I learned that when I read philosophy in college. <laughs> there was, there was, I mean, that was brand new for me. Really, first gen Latinx. We don't un, we like we're not bred to know fulfillment because we just constantly having to we constantly have to one up ourselves so that we can like be the most American, especially when we're referring to like immigrants that live here in the states. Yeah. So fast forward to a very, very toxic and abusive relationship. I knew that I always wanted to be able to just free myself of things. And I needed to kind of get to safety very quickly. And so in a matter of like three hours, I got rid of like 75% of what I owned Whoa. by myself. Just me, bags and a dancer. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, I'm out this bitch. <laughs> like, peace out to this relationship and all the things that I own because like I need to get out and I need this person to not know where I'm going next for my own safety. So here we are many, many years later and I've officially called myself a minimalist now. But in, in reality, like looking back on childhood, I've always been a minimalist. Mm. So going back to your parents, before they came to the States, did they experience a lot of loss or did they grow up in a, in a class that like didn't have yeah. a lot or, or what's their <clears throat> background like? Because yeah. you, know, you mentioned that like something could be taken from you all of a sudden, like was that their <laughs> experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Ecuador, first of all, it's really, really important to highlight the fact that the middle class is pretty much non-existent mm. and that there is such a wide gap between um, folks that experience poverty and disenfranchisement and folks that have generational wealth and privilege. A lot of that is inextricably linked to colorism anti-black, anti-brown racism, et cetera. Mm. 
uh, and Ecuador is no exception to experiencing those kinds of social and cultural cultural inequities, right? So, I mean, you can see from my skin tone and my complexion, I'm highly privileged as a beige person. Mm. Um, but we were very much working class in Ecuador, which was strange since that is a very small group. And so we very much were, um, we had like parts of our family that were impoverished and then parts of our family that were wealthy. Mm. And then you had us in the middle. So really weird to see like all of those financial statuses stratified across our larger family. Yeah. And so my parents made the decision to leave everything behind because they knew they could come to the States, make money that would go so much further in Ecuador, right? Based on inflation. And in mm. um, this lifetime, in my own lifetime, Ecuador did adopt the dollar. So we went from Sucre to dollar. Mm. Um, and that changed so much. Um, but uh, it doesn't the, necessarily change the fact that the dollar still goes way further yeah. there than it does here. Yeah. By a lot. I'm, I'm <laughs> assuming that those changes were just, they weren't good or bad. It was just like, it, it brought both. Yeah, I mean, we could always talk about how the United States has destabilized third world countries in order to create dependency right. and instability. And we could, we could, that could be a whole segment of your <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Right. I mean, we can um, go there. We, we, there's no we limit. Always here. Go there. Shit. Part two, <laughs> part three, put it on the schedule. But, yeah. I understand the countries need to modernize. And so adopting the dollar is like part of that, hmm. but also still very much indicative of the hold that the U S has, mm-hmm. um, on the way capitalism is defined and like what success means monetarily for countries. Um, and that ha- that's disproportionately, um, exacerbated in places like Latin America, South America, etc. So I understand why my parents came here. And fun fact, we weren't supposed to stay. We were actually supposed to come back and like reunite with the family. And then we kind of got stuck here. So oh, wow. <laughs> we've been here ever since. Oh, wow. Yeah. Kind wow. of a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old were you? Were, so were was, you born here? I was here? born here. Oh, I was wow. the only one in my family born here. Everyone else, mom, dad, brother, Whoa. uncle, aunts, all born in Ecuador. And do you get any, are, are you slighted at all because you didn't grow up like with the traditions? Oh, you already know. Or the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not getting off the family 100%. But here in the States, it's like, I'm still the foreigner. Hmm. So it's, the concept is called ni de aquí ni de allá. I'm not from here. I'm not from there. Mm-hmm. Where am I from? Nowhere. Fuck it. No mm-hmm. one wants to claim me. I claim me. Yeah. Right? That's what a lot of us first-gen experience, which is this kind of mild form of identity crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's getting my wheels spinning. It, yeah. I, it, <laughs> honestly... And this wouldn't be the first time I've said this 
this week, but when I hear something like that from someone that I know personally, like I get emotional over it because it's just like I hate, I hate mm. that like yeah. you know that people go through bad things or people have these experiences where they don't feel equal for one reason or the other, mm. and then I know behind them is a whole line of millions of other people who are going through the same thing. And as a fixer and as someone who has been trained to put everyone before myself, it's just kind of like overwhelming. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I, how do I I help? Yeah. Yeah. And I just hate it, you know? And, and I, but you know, it sounds like that is something that has maybe pushed you to be you, which I appreciate you as you. <laughs> and I mean, this is not to blow any smoke up your ass, but like you were one of the most <laughs> unique individuals I've ever met. Like you're blowing literally. smoke. You're dude, blowing smoke. Dude, I'm I'm serious. Like <laughs> I I've been looking forward to saying that and like acknowledging that with you because like oh, I appreciate you as a person. Dude. Like when I first met you, I was intimidated by you. You walked with purpose. <laughs> And I was new to town six and foot ass. Yeah. <laughs> no. For what? I don't even play basketball. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. No, like just I just remember being new to town and yeah. where we yeah. met and where we were working, it was just like, okay, like that person is in charge. Like they they are running <laughs> the place. And then Fast Damn. forward to when we actually went out for the first time. Do you remember this? When we had yes! bottomless wow, mimosas? That was so long ago. <laughs> what? What? What year is it? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So we went oh, to man. that little cafe in Plaza where they do the bottomless mimosas on Sundays. Oh, good. <laughs> And I'm not competitive whatsoever. Like I like yeah. that's not in my nature. When I play sports, I'm uh-huh, always uh-huh, uh-huh. just kind of like, oh, how could this be interesting? What if we both won? What if they beat me? What would be the odds? And like I just <laughs> what, if, what if we both won? Did you just say that? Yeah, like seriously, like I Clark. Yeah. That's like the most Clark thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> what if we both won? What if we both <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh my That's god, hilarious. so on brand, yeah. So we go out, and <laughs> I don't know how many I'd had, but you were like, Yo, you want to keep up with me? Are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, Why not? <laughs> I'm from Cornbread, Middle America, like, let's drink and let's go. Like, yeah, literally, those glasses I think were fishbowl size, like, yeah. glasses, <laughs> and I remember having eight of those motherfuckers and just being done <laughs> by 1 p.m. You were like, well, I'm going to take a lift. And <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the next bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when all reality, like ended up in a park, oh my God. passed out. <laughs> Centennial. I was at Centennial. They like, oh my God. Yeah. Just like having the greatest, like oh just drunk God. afternoon. There's people, yes. like, families with their dogs and kids, like just, you know, yes. the frisbee, and here I am, just like in sunglasses, just, like, just coasting, hanging out, just chilling. <laughs> so, chilling. I, love I, it. I think a part of it was the reason I, I don't know, like I, as I got to know you, that was the first time I met you, and I'm a very anxious, nervous person when I meet someone that like I think is uh, admirable or inspiring, and 
the drinking, I don't think that I was drinking just because I was meeting you. Like there was some fun mixed in, but then there (laughs) can't lie. There was an element of like, okay, we're here. We're doing this. We're getting like, you're like, I'm going to keep up. Uh, she's really <laughs> aggressive with her drinking right now. And uh, <laughs> I guess we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, well, such a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And and ever since then, the more I've gotten to know you, uh, the personal side that maybe I didn't see up front has mm. become more and more apparent. And the yeah. I think the first time I saw you on Instagram, outside of like anything work-related, it was a video that where you were talking about minimalism Ooh. and it was from the heart. Like I would have to go back and find it, but I just remember being like, yo, this is a very <laughs> sweet human. And yeah. it was really coming from a place where I was like, you, you've, you've done some work, you've done some digging. And yeah. I, yeah. I have to also thank you for that because it's like, that's, that's just totally inspiring. Like it's anytime I found my place, um, or, or found myself needing to dig a little bit more. Like I pull from mm. other people that I look up to like yourself and I'm like, you know what? They've done it too. So can I. And I, again, just had to say it. Like, I appreciate you so much, Clark. You know how to, you know how to uplift and boost folks. You really do. <laughs> you really, <laughs> you really do. I appreciate you saying that. And, um, I feel the same way about your vulnerability and your kindness and, your your desire to put other people's needs first, even though you're like learning how to balance that. Yeah, it's hard. I, yeah, it's, it's so, so hard. hard. It's stupid. But I think you're doing such a phenomenal job. And I it definitely people like you that I want to continue keeping in my life because um you dive you dive into the deep end. And it's so easy to stay in the shallow end and to, to just chill. Yeah. Right. But then you have folks like yourself who are taking the time to confront themselves and to look in and to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do more than just exist. Like, yeah. I'm out here learning. I'm out here growing. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's so evident in, in the way that you show up in your friendships. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, Thank you. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the one being interviewed here. So my deflector Dang. side is now coming out. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate that. And and I think that's why, you know, when rethinking about doing this podcast, like I, I really wanted to craft it in a way to where um people who let, let you know, for example, you're my first non-musician guest. And it feels hey, hey. so good. And I don't know if you're oh, in nice. do music or not, but like it, I dance, but that's like a different. You I've, know what I mean? I've been told to ask about your dancing, so oh. I'm not going to say who said that, but I've been told. Oh, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been mostly musicians that you yeah interviewed it, prior. Yeah, and and I think that like nice. some of the things you and I have touched on in person, I'm still interested in hearing about. And I think would be good for other people to hear about, like mm. you have mentioned, you know, some parts of your family and like kind of, you've already done some work, like kind of breaking away from maybe certain habits or certain things that were maybe not nature, but kind of nurtured and instilled just by mm. being around it. 
You've also told me in the past, and, and if you don't want to get into this, we don't have to, but what has it been like in different areas of your life as you have come into your own? How did that go with family? Oh man, uh, what a good question. <laughs> I feel like so many folks with all of my identifiers slash intersections could relate to this, but the minute you unabashedly, fervently claim who you are in a public and um, unapologetic way, you're bound to lose blood, right? You're, you're bound mm. to lose family members when you come from a background like mine. And so you're, you're absolutely right. The impact is, is noticeable and potentially permanent. And I feel like my experience has been the experience of so many others as a queer, gender expansive, polyamorous, Latina, neurodivergent, uh, non-conforming being mm -hmm. that is the exact opposite of everything that my parents set out for me in their vision of what they wanted to build me into mm. right because children are really seen as extensions of the parent really lacking certain parts of identity and autonomy. Yeah. Right. You're not really you, you're an extension of your parents. Mm. And so when you assert yourself, what it looks like, what it feels like to them is you disowning them. Mm. Is you saying who you are as my parents is not enough. Who you are as my parents is not what I care about. Who you are as my parents does not matter to me. That's what it comes off as to them. Hmm. That's what they perceive that to mean. When in reality, I don't know, I'm just living. Yeah. And, and, and I say that fully acknowledging all of the privilege of living in the States. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and being able to do this. Because if I were still in Ecuador, this most likely would not exist. Mm -hmm. I'm the only out family member in my entire family. You really want to tell me no one else is gay? <laughs> mm, you really want to tell me I'm the only gay person in my family? Get the fuck out of here. Statistically, mm. not possible. Some of the motherfuckers are gay. <laughs> but they don't want to tell nobody, right? Yeah. And for so many reasons sure. that I, I don't blame them for. I have the immense privilege of being born and raised in the States where identity, <laughs> individuality... Um, are both uh, allowed and encouraged. Hmm. But it results in fissures in the family structure a thousand percent. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, well, how, how was that? Like, you know, is there um, certain religious or cultural aspects that, you know, as to why your parents would perceive it as going against their norm or even personally going against themselves? Uh, absolutely. You're dealing with generations upon generations of similar thoughts, mm. of 
approaching the life experience the same way, right? And so you have then suddenly someone who wants to undo all of that, who says, no, I don't subscribe to that. Um, you have someone that says, actually, this, this, and this part of approaching life that way are inherently wrong or hurtful or inaccurate. And so my parents being raised Catholic, as many Latinx are Catholic, and that is a historical testament to colonialism and what was brought over from Spain. Um, and that just permeating generations of South Americans, you come to folks like my parents who uphold the previous um, ideologies around values and around interacting with other human beings and Catholicism being what they were raised with a hundred percent influenced the way that they made decisions, the way that they built relationships and communities and collectives and also formulated their own identities. Hmm. So Catholicism, hundred percent, our our um our like skin tone, our complexion, our the color of our skin absolutely also reinforced certain ideologies, right, around um quality of life, around access to certain types of life experiences and Colorism in the Latinx community is something that requires so much attention and action. Mm. And so my parents were not part of the generation or the group of Latinx who were like fighting against colorism and anti-Black racism. They were just existing and the structures provided to them um, and like playing into their privilege that they have as beige people, right? As people with mixed ancestry and heritage. Um, And there's definitely a part of their experience that was always like white leaning. Mm -hmm. How do we get closer to the white experience? How do we ensure that we can like get lumped in with them? What do we need to do? And so those, those things, um, I would say those two things, both religion and race ultimately really defined my parents' construction of their identity and what I ultimately ended up rejecting entirely. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. quick question, like you mentioned colorism um, being a big deal in Ecuador. Um, I know that I've heard also stories in from Brazil of colorism. And mm. I think it was in the last 10 years that college applicants were having to put down their color yeah. or their race for the first time yeah. ever which sparked a huge conversation of like, we've never thought of it this way. And now we have to, because the system is forcing us to pick one. Um, (laughs) What is, and and this is where, where I like to move into my dumb white guy questions. Um, (laughs) I love it. For someone, you know, who may be listening, what's the difference between colorism and, and racism? Is there a difference there? Mm, I like this question. So I would say colorism is a subset of different 
um, cultural, ethnic, and racial experiences. I believe that hmm. uh, the, my experience with these terms is racism is a bit like um, all encompassing. It's a larger term. It's more broad. And then colorism can like exist within racism kind of clearly defining the way that people are treated based on their variations of skin tone. Hmm. And so like racism is the larger idea or understanding about how folks are oppressed and discriminated, prejudiced, and um, truly disenfranchised based on the color of their skin. And then colorism is the added layer of, okay, within the Black experience, what is it like to be a light-skinned Black person versus a dark-skinned Black person. Okay. So I would say it's almost like a drill down. Um, and that's been my experience with those two terms. Um, they are 100% related and it, it's almost impossible to like separate those two things. Sure. and you I mentioned... think it's impossible to separate. Yeah. 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 I, I can see where they, you know, kind of historically go back to maybe one idea you know, or mm, they, yeah. they have roots, the same roots and maybe in the same garden. Yeah, white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because I, I think about even TV shows that I've watched where, you know, if there's a, a lighter skin black person, like mm. they get picked on more in mm. the show than the rest of the family that doesn't look like them. Um, right. So that, okay, that that's starting to yeah. unpack some some things that I'm seeing. Oh, hell yeah. And put some definition to it, I guess. <laughs> um, it's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like with yourself, like you mentioned, your beige is is what you describe yourself as. Like, yeah. <laughs> have you experienced that in the Latin comma, Hispanic comma, yeah. Latinx areas of the world? <laughs> like, do you feel yeah. like you have been dismissed or you've not experienced? And I'm kind of going back to the whole family thing like do you feel that outside of your family when you finally reveal like oh hey like by the way i'm not white or i'm not whatever you (laughs) perceived me to be when i walked in like i right here's who i really am yeah Uh, yeah that's a good question i'm sure that's not (laughs) it's a dense one (laughs) and like we don't have to dive into it you know but like i'm down to die yeah okay i just from what i hear in you know, you can give me your take on it, but from what mm-hmm. I'm understanding of those, um, the people that I know in Latin yeah. slash Hispanic slash Latinx, like, right. first of all, I'm learning those terms and the differences in those terms and how people identify hey. within those terms. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. still something I'm trying to unpack and memorize. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then from there, like I'm also hearing mm. variations of everything from, you know, like, I'm trying to figure out who I am in the subculture and as well as the macro culture. But Ooh, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're faced with things in the macro culture where you're just kind of like, I've had this before. Here we go again. But then like, <laughs> you got the subculture over here. Like you said, like maybe not fully accepting for one reason or the other. So yeah. like living in the yeah. middle... <laughs> It, it is very much living in the middle. You're okay. so right. And it's a dynamic experience. So as me, I have very much always been confusing to others. I don't find myself confusing to me. However, I understand that um, we create 
buckets of understanding. We assimilate our, our information into those existing buckets of understanding. But we don't very often take a look at the buckets and reassess them to see if they need to be broadened, narrow, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And so as we continue to evolve here in the United States and adapt our understanding of identities based on that evolution, we can come to realize that the Latinx, Latina, Latin, Hispanic experience is not one that automatically precludes race. Hmm. We're like Latina, Latina, all those things that I just, all those identifiers I just mentioned are not racial identities. Hmm. And so what's really important is, to highlight here is that terms such as Hispanic, Latina, Latinx, Latin have been used to very easily group folks together, thus reducing kind of the the value of the experience that is differentiated by race. So my experience, right, in, in comparison to the experience of someone who has phenotypic expression that is um, uh, traditionally indigenous, right, or like defined as indigenous, hmm. we have very different experiences. Same goes for myself and someone who has the phenotypic expression, the Black African heritage, right? The phenotypic expression, meaning what we look like, what are uh, features of our body and yeah. um, our physical existence, what that looks like, and how that defines race, all those things inherently lead to vastly different life experiences. So unfortunately, it, it, we were excited and happy here in the United States to like get the term Hispanic which was given by the government, right? Hmm. Because we like felt like, okay, yeah, we finally had this identifier. However, it, it erased the experience specifically of those who are darker skin, brown folks and black folks, right? Hmm. So for me, saying that I'm Latina and I'm Latinx is really easy and um, like to me, it feels comfortable and it makes sense. However, if you are a Black Latina or if you're an Indigenous Latinx person, you want to be able to make it very clear that you value your Indigenous heritage and your Indigenous experience in the world because it means that you live differently than everyone else who is not that. And so now us Latinx, we're in a space where we're kind of having to have a more robust conversation around ensuring that within our group, we're not erasing all of the black and brown experiences, hmm. right? And so I have a very um, unique role and uh, responsibility to ensure that I am always, as a beige person, uplifting and amplifying the voices of my darker skin fellow Latinx, right? Since yeah. historically they have always been purposefully left out of the Latinx experience or identity. Yeah. That's beautiful. Like I it's, wow, that's the work we have to do. We gotta do it. Yeah. And I'm just curious, it. like, is there anyone in the world out there that inspires you to do that? to be that person for others, like who, who inspires you and keeps like, yeah. I've only got to imagine yeah. <laughs> that this has got to be an exhausting 
thing to have to deal with. Like, you know, and yeah. on some some level, especially when you deal with a fucking, mm. you know, potato of a president for four fucking years, <laughs> just reminding you how different fucking you are. Potato. You know? Fucking but, potato. <laughs> And not even the delicious kind. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. I mean, and, and, and I'm sorry if I'm inserting something that is not there by saying it's exhausting. Just, just from what I'm hearing from, from other people's experiences as well, it's got to not be easy. I assume, you know, and so is there inspiration along the way to keep your fire lit and going? Oh, Oh Yeah. Um, absolutely. And it also, as I always remind myself that however exhausted I feel, brown and black folks are going to feel infinity times more exhausted. Yeah. Right. And so I, I look to very current voices like MJ Rodriguez. Okay. Um, man, that woman is a force. Um, she is black, she is Latina, she is trans, and she is voice for change. Like she has truly inspired so many of us to pay attention to the intricacies of intersection, mm-hmm. right? But to also just listen to people in the way that they describe their experiences. Um, and she very recently has kind of owned her newest identity as a singer not just an artist. Hmm. Um, and, and she has some quotes out there that are really inspirational around what it means to go beyond your identifiers. Hmm. Like what it means to like value all those things that I just mentioned, black, Latina, you know, trans, but then like going beyond that <laughs> and saying, what about the holistic human that I am? Yeah. What, what about that? Yeah. How how do we ensure that we're not reducing me to my labels mm-hmm. and kind of using me to craft your own narratives and to further your own agendas? But what are you going to do to actually value me as the human that I am? She's very explicitly stating that that's a need. We need to both value the trans experience, for example, specifically the Black trans ex- uh, trans experience. Yeah. And and also still not reduce them to just that. Right. And I love that she is kind of like pioneering that discourse hmm. because it, it needs to be said. We we want to do both. They shouldn't be mutually exclusive. We should be able to absolutely celebrate and honor the experience of those very specific identifiers while also not reducing them to like a story. Yeah. To a statistic, yep. Like, to this example, mm-hmm. yeah. and she 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 inspires me immensely. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and like just you yeah. saying that, like that, it reminds me of just like you know, for example, you mentioned that they're a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If I were to listen to a song of theirs, mm-hmm. would I listen to, if I didn't know their identity, background, story, whatever? Mm-hmm. Would it influence how I feel about the song, or would I really, truly look at their craft and say, like, that's good? You know, she can sing, yeah, yeah. Or like, (laughs) would I sit there and 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 then also on the other side, like sometimes I I'm guilty of forcing myself to like something just because it has a label on it. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, it's punk rock yeah. or, oh, it's, you know, hip hop or, or even just a simple terms like that. I'm like, oh, of course I'm going to like it. Yeah. Like right. send it my way. But then, you know, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that connects or not. But it's, Yeah. It's, we, I mean, um, it's almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy when something's called a certain way and we're used to that thing, we're more inclined to be drawn to it. Or, yeah. or to like bring our assumptions to that thing. So I, I agree a hundred percent. And she's asking us to stop assuming. Hmm. Yeah. Ah, and it, and it's, we got to do it. And it feels really good to try and to make that effort to let go of our assumptions and our yeah. preconceived notions of people based on their identifiers. Because mm-hmm. not all trans experience is the same. Not all black experiences are the same. Not all Latina and Latinx experiences are the same. And she's really effectively bringing light to that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. She's the best. I'm going to check her out then. You should. Yeah. yeah. I'll, send you, I'll send you some stuff. Um, like what she's most recently known for, by the way, is her, her role in Pose, the show. Highly okay. recommend. At least looking at the trailer if you want to see if you might be into it. Do you know who's streaming it? Netflix. Netflix? Cool. Yeah. Along those lines, like that that sounds like that's a very current person that is mm. currently like 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 we were talking about keeping the fire going. Yeah. Was there a an aha moment or like a moment a younger version of you? And by the way, <laughs> we call you Meg yeah. in the house. Is yeah. Meg right or is it Maria? Like which Meg Maritere. I've always preferred my middle name, but as you know, when you like sign up for work, they use your first name like legally to make emails. Mm. <laughs> so like your email address is always your first name. Yeah. But yeah, Meg Maritere, all of the above um, work for me. Cool. Was yeah. there? whether it be someone who was on a poster yes. on the wall or was there a moment yes. at school when you were just like, <laughs> you knew this is who I am. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's, and it's funny because the, the names I'm about to drop look nothing like me phenotypically. Okay. Right. But these two women very much informed my growth as a child, like learning my voice in the world and learning what it meant to be a vocal and verbal Latina woman and like being unafraid to voice um, your opinions and to stand up what you believe in. So number one, Celia Cruz, the one and only Celia Cruz, Uh bitch, that's in peace. Oh my God, I love that woman. She changed the world for the better. That's for fucking sure. And then India, La India. So you have Talia Cruz from Cuba. You have India from Puerto Rico. And yeah. they are um, um, respectively known as like the queen and princess of salsa. Hmm. And I grew up listening to their music. And man, those women have opinions. <laughs> and they did not they did not shy away from expressing themselves. They were not subtle. They were not quiet. They were not complacent. And they were two very strong um, women of color, uh, Mm. you know, uh, and watching them grow up, I felt very much like uh, I could look to them 
for guidance on how to show up in the world mm. as an unapologetic Latina. That's awesome. And yeah, like to this day, looking at my most played on Spotify or whatever, they're at the top. Nice. And I've been listening to them for decades and it still resonates. They're still yeah. bangers. Like <laughs> folks still play their songs at parties when they want to like throw down, you know? Yeah. The, these songs will never, will never go out of style. Mm. And salsa music, you said. Absolutely. Oh, wow. yes. Salsa music, not to like tangent, because I could. My bachelor's is in Spanish, so I could go on forever about like the history of salsa and how it came from plena and bomba. But the <laughs> salsa as a medium for expressing yourself really came from men who needed to see. I was about to say it in Spanish. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah, go for uh, it. I mean. Release, release um, to. Oh my God. Yeah. I guess release have, um, uh, a channel of expression yeah. where the lyrics were like very tragic and all about the pain they were experiencing, but the beat or the rhythm made your body move. Mm. And so it was a way to, as a, as a man, as a cis het man in the world, express your emotions without being seen as less manly. Yeah. And so the origins of salsa there are, are very strong and, and they're rooted in the black experience. They're rooted in the brown experience and the act of overcoming. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so, so amazing. In India, they, they basically are the, the rubric, are the blueprint for being a Latina woman, specifically women of color, and overcoming. What's it? What's the song that I should check out? Oh my god, um, La Negra Tiene Tumbao by Celia Cruz. Okay. Yeah, and Seduceme by India. <laughs> okay. Very very good song. Um, I would say, I think they could be similar. I guess, but. One is about like the, the strength and the prowess of the black woman. And then one is about the other one is about um, kind of the last, the last hurrah of a love hmm. and the kind of like fizzling out of a love and wanting to like stay in the lust phase, even when you know that you really should be done with the relationship. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. deep. Oh yeah. It's it's good music, dude. Let yeah. me tell you. It'll when I when I wanna clean and I wanna clean well my house. Yeah. I put on Celia Cruz in India. <laughs> did you put it on the day <laughs> that you did all that cleaning in three hours? Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Them, Mark Anthony, Juan Luis Guerra. <laughs> I have like I have like my go-to artist when I want to like really get into the mopping yeah. and the sweeping. <laughs> when I really want to like put my back into it and I'm uh -huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's them. It's them. <laughs> I'm telling you, these artists are like ingrained in my modus operandi, the way I literally <laughs> operate in my space. So yeah. I'm thankful to them. That's awesome. So thankful. Mm -hmm. So when you go home to Miami, are those like, do you also prep yourself? Well, I'm assuming Miami's <laughs> home to some extent. Miami and Orlando, both. 
Okay. And when you're going yeah. to either, um, yeah. are, do you like, is that how you prep to see your, your people or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it does require prep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with all the love in my heart. But yeah, it very much like um it like pumps you up and it really like gets me ready to be enveloped in a space where I can very often feel like who I am is never good enough. Mm. And so listening to the songs of folks who have trailblazed identity and who have like fought for the right to be themselves and to show up as exactly who they are in the world is very much my armor, mm. very much me like gearing up to be torn down in ways that are implicit as well as explicit. So yeah. hell yeah. All of those artists that I just mentioned and tons more, don't even get me started on reggaeton, like Daddy Yankee, Don Omar, Yandel. Yeah, don't get me. Yeah, don't get me started because we could I've, we could go down that path for hours. But <laughs> all of them combined, that's like my team, you know. Nice. You're gonna have to make me a playlist. And oh my god, oh say less. I'll make that playlist like this. Yeah, like this. Yes, nice. consider it done. I'm always trying to update my party playlist too. I, I want to throw yeah. the party where anyone from any neighborhood yeah. could show up, and yeah. they don't go three or four songs without recognizing something or like, you know, yeah. puts them in a mood where we're like, oh yeah, here we go. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, Ooh, we about to get it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have, I have those like classic salsa, merengue, bachata songs. I will scoop them all up together and, and give them to you. Great. You're going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Before you know what, I'm going to be like sending you Snapchats of me like, Mopping in my kitchen and oh my gosh, <laughs> and that floor is gonna be so damn clean. <laughs> It'll be sparkling. See your reflection. You're gonna be like, wow! I should have been cleaning the salsa my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that ass. Yeah, as, as clean as that church music was that I grew up with, it wasn't that clean. It wasn't. <laughs> That's a different level. It is a different <laughs> level of sparkling. Yeah, clean oh, as hell. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes. goodness. So where you are now, Atlanta, it's so much history on like a musical front. Like yeah. I've not watched Donnie's show, uh, Atlanta. Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking watch. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, show Atlanta, yes. <laughs> yeah, so moving there during a pandemic, like how's that been? Getting out? seeing people kind of hanging back wild, like wild yeah. um since vaccination in what was it may mm. yeah i think it was may right when i got vaccinated i felt more comfortable being indoors in groups yeah prior to then i was not post-vaccination absolutely wearing masks and still using six foot distancing um but now I, I make the effort to continuously go to places that have patios or outdoor seating. Yep. I just I just feel more comfortable um, uh, as someone who has an ever changing immune system. Of Hashimoto's um, and I have hypothyroidism. It just makes sense for me to be vigilant about mm -hmm. 
what I introduce into my environment. Um, and so uh, it's it's been a whirlwind experience navigating these precautions and reassessing your human interaction <laughs> based yeah. on these precautions and seeing your relationships change over time based on no physical interaction or limited physical interaction changes a lot of things. Yeah. And what about outside of the the move to Atlanta? Has there been any good over the last year and a half, like any introspection or any continued work that... Oh, good. Yeah. So, so good. I love being here. I love being surrounded by the Black community. Um, I love that I can very easily go anywhere, walk into a Black-owned business and give them all my money. (laughs) (laughs) I love that shit. Um, And and I feel like even that statement is privileged because I'm inserted into spaces that are predominantly Black and I am taking up space, but I do my best to ensure that I am redistributing my wealth Mm. when I'm in these spaces so that I'm not detracting from the space. I like want to always do my best to ensure that I am furthering the progress and prosperity of the black community and living in Atlanta allows for me to do that on a daily basis. Hmm. It just feels so good. It must've been weird being from Florida and then living on the other side of the country in California like that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not from either place, but I would just assume that Atlanta has got to be a little bit more comfortable Oh Maybe my God. more in line with what you grew up with in the States or, or in Florida than San Francisco. You're so right. San Francisco was very white in a way that really highlighted even more than I was used to in Florida um, discrepancies or inconsistencies and opportunities within mm. tech, right? Where I work, where we work. And so... In Florida, you have the unique opportunity to bounce around like pods Hmm. based on where you are geographically. Yeah. And so Orlando is a highly intersectional city where demographics are really well represented across different ethnicities, racial identities, communities. Same with Miami. In Miami, the population is 13% white. That's it. (laughs) That's it. So (laughs) like growing up there in Florida, Central Florida and South Florida, and really just being surrounded by white, beige, brown, and black folks, and then coming to us up and being like, what? (laughs) What? Huh? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. What what is this? Even in the Castro district, like... I mean, I would say the Castro, from my experience, was like super male man identifying gay white and then the mission is already very highly gentrified and then i was in chinatown for a while like a year and that was starting to get gentrified so it sf has really truly been impacted from the pandemic when so many of like the highest paying like tax folks left like folks that really like contributed to 
um, like the well yeah. of the city just all bounce. They're like, oh, cool. Like, I'm going to go take my 300,000, go live in Utah and be a fucking king right. out here living lavish. <laughs> right. When all those people left the SF. Yeah. The city, the city underwent a lot of of, of change, and mm. there was an increase, a marked increase in violence and um, painful, painful experiences for tons of folks. Mm. So very, very interesting. Was still very, very white, and so being back in Atlanta, it's much more similar to my experience growing up in Florida. And so yeah. I feel very comfortable here. I very much feel at home. The trees are the same. The grass is the same, <laughs> with the exception of the hills. Yeah. Geographically, the city very much feels like central and South Florida. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't yeah. spent a lot of time there. I'm really hoping to get down there um, in the next year. <gasps> like, yeah, just for various things, you know, like whether it be shows or just checking it out. I've only driven through it. Mm-hmm. But I've never spent time. Oh my gosh! You yeah. y'all y'all have a place you can stay whenever you come to ATL. Oh, you have a place to stay. Thank you. Is there yeah, anything yeah. about Nashville that you miss? A bar, food, like anything that like you would recommend I like go check out by this weekend? Or oh my god, Bourbon Street! Yes, Bourbon yeah. Street. The bar, Bourbon Street. Okay. So Where's I that? lived. I lived right off Second. Oh my gosh. Second Ave? Second Street? No, Second Ave. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Second Ave. And I was by the park by the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And I was in um, that tall, tall building that used to be a bank. Right behind, you have that little strip that's in the cut in the alley where you have like that one, oh, I'm forgetting the name, but like that one karaoke bar. And you have like a few different places there. And then there's Bourbon Street. Okay. Have you been? Is this in the Printer's Alley area? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I've not been to Bourbon Street. I've been in the oh undergrounds, gosh, like British punk rock. Yeah. Bar. That's where we used to go watch soccer games. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've watched soccer there <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bourbon Street. Oof. They have live blues that'll just make you weep. Weep. So good. And they really? do a lot of oh, beautiful, beautiful live music. Um, and it's awesome because you walk in and they have the balcony seating inside. So you can like go up the stairs uh, and it, you kind of, I mean, I've, I've only been in New Orleans once, but it kind of feels <laughs> rather semi-authentic yeah. to the Bourbon Street experience where you have all those beautiful iron balconies and, right. and you, look, you look down on the street where music's playing. Here in the bar, you look down on the stage where they have the band set up. Yeah. And the drinks are, they make a stiff cocktail. They got some <laughs> bank fries that are like covered mm. in some good shit. Ooh. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah. I really, I had a trip planned to go see everybody. And then yeah. I got sick with, with regular cold, <laughs> no COVID. Right. Um, and then I had to cancel the trip. But when I, when I come back, we'll have to go. Okay. Let's do it. I'm down. Let's do it. Please let me know when you come into town. Like, don't post yeah. that shit on Instagram a week, like, and tell me a week later. Like, oh, hey, no, I was no, just no. there. No, like, that's disrespectful. I know better. <laughs> <laughs> I know better because because y'all will come for me and be like, where were you? What were you doing? Yeah, hmm? yeah. 
Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, I'll just return the favor when I go to Atlanta and be like, I, you know, just thought you'd oh, be busy so too. <laughs> ah, no, no, no. Oh yeah. Trust. Oh yeah. And I'm so excited because it'll be my first time back since I left. I'm, I'm, I mean, the energy oh, wow. is building. That's what I'm saying. I haven't, I haven't been back. So I'm Yo, so ready. It's know, changed. <laughs> it's even changed since you left. And I hate to say that. I need to see it. Oh, like for worse, you think, or just well, different? It's just grown. It didn't stop. Oh, okay. Like during the oh, pandemic, cool. people just kept moving here mm-hmm. and going to Broadway and partying. Like that never slowed down. Like, and you know where we are. Oh, like this is like the that. mecca yeah. for all the rednecks. Like it just <laughs> did not slow down. And yeah. I mean, Nash Vegas, or at least completely shut down. And and maybe it did yeah. for a few days or weeks, and that I'm forgetting about. But it no, stayed no, so consistent that it's like it just never stopped. Like a pandemic never happened. I heard. And oh, I yeah. heard. Yeah. Ooh. Oh man. Crazy. Yeah. I bet. I gotta get down there. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm ready to go and see all y'all. I'm so. I'm so down. Well, Courtney. Thank you for sharing as much as you did, and I, I'm grateful for you. Just so glad that we got to have this time together, even though we're apart. I've been telling people, whether it's like a Instagram comment or some video time mm-hmm. for me, I'm a hugger. Yeah. And after the last year and a half, like I'll take all the hugs and this feels like a hug. So I'm so this happy. Is a hug. Yeah. It's a virtual hug, Clark. I'm <laughs> yeah. hugging you. Do you feel it? Yes. Oh, I do. Thank you. Thank you so for good. having me. This was such a great conversation. Um, and I'm so glad that you're doing this and the way that you are able to express and, and ask questions that lead to really, really important discussions is, incredible and exactly the kind of podcast that we need right now so thank you thank you appreciate it you're the best we'll talk soon all right sounds good good bye how about that did you guys enjoy that as much as i hoped you would i think you did i really think you did Wow. Meg, thank you so much for coming on. That was a delight. I can't wait to have you back on so we can talk about, I don't know, video games, movies, stories, more drinking stories. Hopefully your drinking stories. I think yours are going to be more exciting than mine were. (laughs) All right. That's it for this week of Clockwork Nights. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you take care of yourselves. Next week, we'll have an all new guest. Yes, I'm keeping the suspense. A new guest. Keep an eye out for it. Till then. Bye.